But last time, if you were here, because um, this is a two-part series, this is the second uh, part, uh, I kind of ran out of time for Q&A, so I just thought, you know, we could burn some time now. Uh, for any of those of you who were here last time, we discussed uh, uh, secular sayings. Uh, if you had any sort of reactions or, or, or questions or, or anything like that, or is it just too soon to ask that? Like you need a little more coffee and uh, remember it would. Uh, yeah. So you know the thing is I'm talking about um, uh, sayings or you could say cliches or or even aphorisms and. Uh, you know, there's so many out there um, and so many that I find problematic. So I had to kind of figure out a way to narrow uh, the subject matter. And uh, I've tried to choose things that relate to suffering, things that we say in the midst of suffering. And so the quintessential one that really gets to me, for example, is like, uh, uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger um, uh, from Nietzsche. Um, uh, which is, you know, sort of a commonsensical kind of thing to say. Sure, like if you kind of go through some sort of uh, trial and uh, and live through it, uh, uh, you might come out the other end stronger somehow. But what do you say, like for example, to the soldier with PTSD, um, or or something like that, you know, or or the person that's gone through um, something so terribly depressive that they need years of therapy. It's not making them stronger. It's actually making them weaker. Um, and, uh, and so it's sort of a, a platitude or a trite thing that can be really unhelpful and actually um, sort of a little bit hurtful to, to say in the midst of that kind of uh, suffering. Can you think of some other ones that I brought in? It's hard to think on your feet sometimes. Uh, silver so. lining. Yeah, silver lining it. Well, that's the thing is so there's a silver lining behind every cloud. You know, the dark storm clouds of our life eventually pass, and then the sun comes out. So that's the silver lining. And to silver lining it is to sort of to to provide a platitude in the situation. And often, a silver lining platitude starts with at least, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, I had my third miscarriage. Well, at least you can get pregnant. I mean, that's terrible. That's like a terrible thing to say. But sometimes people actually say things just as terrible as that. Maybe I've, I'm guilty of it, um, and, and uh, I've been victim of it, too. You were going to... Yeah, pain is weakness leaving the body uh, is an is a example that you'll hear um, at sort of like these sort of boot campy kind of um, uh, exercise things. CrossFit's the quintessential one, but there are others. And your yoga teacher might say it to you, too. And then you pull a muscle. Uh, yeah. I was listening to a country song this morning, and I thought about this class last week. It says, every storm runs out of rain. Every uh, storm runs out of rain. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, to a certain extent, you know, it's true. Don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and that could be uh, sort of helpful to, to kind of keep in mind uh, sometimes. But uh, uh, in terms of relating with the person that's in the midst of suffering, uh, it, it could actually be like the last thing that they want to hear, um, that really what they want is uh, someone to be with them in the midst of their suffering, uh, something like a hug or, or a held hand. You know, just a story. When I, I, I did my um, chaplaincy training at a VA hospital, and mostly at a VA hospital, it's uh, middle-aged and older men. A very minority or, or female or, or younger than, say, like in their 50s. A lot of Vietnam vets, uh, especially guys who are kind of 
either homeless or you know just uh, don't have stable life situations, and often sort of have this sort of tough exterior, you know. Um, and there's this one guy who was there for a week preparing for open heart surgery, and he was kind of just saying about his own health all these kind of trite platitudes of, you know, uh, it only makes me stronger or whatever. You know, I can't remember exactly what he said. So it was hard. He was a tough nut to crack in terms of like going deep with him in conversation beyond sort of just the the surface level kind of things. Even though I knew what awaited him in a week was massive surgery on his heart, you know. And then I went to visit him uh, after the surgery, like the same day or the next day. And you know, he's intubated. Uh, he cannot speak, but conscious and lying on the table. And he just reached out and grabbed my hand. And, uh, and held it, and uh, I said, do you want me to stay here for a while? And he just sort of nodded, uh, and I almost cried, um, and, uh, and just stood there and held his hand, and that's actually what he needed. You know, he needed someone to suffer with him uh, who, could, who could bear being in the midst of his suffering, uh, but he himself was the one providing the platitudes, you know, and I had to, it's hard sometimes when people sort of say these platitudes and you're with them, because you don't want to kind of be like, well, no, 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 that's wrong. You know what I mean? You, you sort of kind of have to, to, to kind of go, well, okay, you know. Um, but so, so the, th- the reason I'm uh, bringing this uh, up, this topic, uh, last week was secular and this week is Christian, is because I think it's actually really important uh, in terms of communicating some really good news to a, a, a hurting world. Um, and that there are certain sort of uh, common philosophies that are out there that we sort of espouse, that we hear, um, that are part of our psyche because we just see them in television programming and everyday life and commercials where we read them. Uh, and so they, these kind of uh, one sentence often or, or, or a couple sentences or phrases, these sayings, almost sum up for us the, the sort of operating philosophy that we have uh, about life, and and so then, as a minister of the gospel, a message that I think is of great comfort yet paradoxical, it's tough to kind of break through that um, that barrier of these uh, these silver lining esque platitudes. And so there are secular ones which we addressed last week, and this week I think there are some that are in the church or churchy people or Christians that I think are often uh, equally unhelpful. And again, in order to, to sort of narrow the, the subject matter, I kind of sort of tried to stick to suffering. Um, there are other things, too, that I could have put up here uh, that uh, we just don't have time to address. And we're, I hope we'll have time to, to do a little discussion. Any other final thoughts before I move on? Yes, Holly Schneider. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I think these phrases, when used, tend to come out of a positive intention. Yeah. And they're, what, what they're actually also reflecting is a discomfort with going into the cloud, with going into that darkness, um, and wanting to make it better for the other person. And so, you know, it's not saying that, like, mm-hmm. if you've ever said these things, you know, to feel guilty or anything like that. Yeah. But that I think in our, in our faith, it's important to have both the cross and the resurrection. And if you only have one without the other, then we have no hope. But if we have both together, then we do. And I think even in the church, we sometimes see churches that focus only on, on the resurrection. Um, and it's missing the point. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks, Holly. She brought that up last week that like I might just be making a bunch of you feel real terrible about. Um... I had some people be like, I asked him how he was. I'm so sorry. Yeah, right. Like, how are you? How are you? I'm fine. You know, which isn't always the truth. And fine's really. What does that even mean? I mean, it's like I'm fine. I mean, come on. That's sort of actually has a little bit of a, a negative tone to it. That we use it with sort of a positive sheen. Uh, and so the thing is, we're just sort of we're 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 often just sort of covering up the suffering because it's too difficult for us to bear or to address. It sounds kind of depressive and sad, but I think it's actually helpful to be at grips with our own suffering and the suffering of others. That actually makes life um, kind of easier to bear, especially with the with the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, intervening. Uh, so this is just a funny one I put up here that I want to address that has probably little to do with suffering is bless your heart. You know, that's an example of uh, what God love him. You know, is another one. It means you're, you're an idiot, basically. <laughs> uh, so uh, before we begin, uh, let us pray. This is uh, the colic that we had a couple weeks ago. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, who knowest our necessities before we ask and our ignorance and asking, have compassion, we beseech thee, upon our infirmities and those things which for our unworthiness we dare not, and for our blindness we cannot ask. Mercifully give us the worthiness of thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. By the way, just so you know, uh, some folks know, I've been suffering with vertigo. Um, and that's why this band stools here. And so if I, if last week it was really tough for me, uh, I've been feeling better. Um, so I might not need to use it, but just in case, you know, um, I don't want to fall down. So, yeah, at least. <laughs> You know, um, there's a, the, 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 the regular thing for a late night uh, talk show is to have the host and then the, the other person. <laughs> this is a, a, a passage from Colossians uh, where uh, Paul's talking uh, to a group of Christians and, uh, you know, that he's. Uh, his message has gotten to it, and yet some other people quickly have kind of come in, crept in, other Christians who, who have a message that he disagrees with. And this is the earliest church, you know, this was going on. Uh, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, quote, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so Paul, uh, he uh, is addressing a saying that some folks had a religion based on sort of you could say morality, but uh, or as he says here, severity and asceticism. That true faith had to do with regulations about things that you shouldn't uh, toss, taste, or touch, um, which was distracting them from the gospel message about what uh, Christ did. <laughs> uh, Christ died uh, to the elemental spirits of the world, and so you can see that I'm just sort of doing. What, in the last course, I brought in a quote from Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount where he said, you've heard it was said, 
and I say to you. And then Paul says, uh, uh, you know, you've heard it was said, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. But I say to you, um, these things aren't going to help you because the problem's with inside anyway. You know, even if you don't indulge, you're going to want to. And that's the real problem. And so often, uh, and, and the, the dichotomy that I brought in last week that I think that you could sort of break these things down to is that they have to do with uh, an idea of strength versus weakness. Um, that uh, most philosophies in, in the world uh, are a philosophy about strength. And the paradox of Christianity is it's a message of weakness, um, that we are weak and we need a savior. And even our own savior uh, submitted himself to weakness to die to save us. Uh, and so, but meanwhile, Christians might even still say things like, keep your head up. God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers, you know. Uh, and you're in the midst of suffering and thinking, gosh, I'm, I'm weak. I don't feel like a, a, a strong uh, soldier. And yet here is an example of the type of thing like I brought in last week in a secular context. Here we're just infusing, you know, God into the scenario. Um, uh, and here, uh, sort of a strength weakness kind of thing. Here's a guy walking down the road, and there's a wrong path and the right path. How strong is a good Christian? He is strong enough to resist temptation if it keeps him from church on Sunday. I always think that's funny. People say to me, like, I wasn't in church on Sunday. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I didn't even notice. Um, uh, but that's okay. I don't blame you. I didn't want to be there either. You know, I didn't want to wake up at 7 a.m. Um, it, it's understandable, and yet we do these kinds of things to just sort of make f- people feel guilty, that they need to muster up the, the strength to do it, versus um, going because you feel compelled, because there's a message there that you really need to hear. Um, um, if you're just sort of going because uh, you feel like you ought to, uh, that's, that's probably problematic, versus this is a, h- a hospital for sinners. Uh, this is the place where the weak people come. Uh, and, and carrying on the, the, the theme of uh, weakness and continuing our conversation with Paul, listen to this that he said in 2 Corinthians. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should lead me, the thorn in the side that he talks about. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And not because of his own strength, but because of the strength of God. Um, uh, so um, here it is right here is the, the, the proof that Christianity is, in fact, a, a message of weakness. Um, and yet we continue to tell ourselves uh, Things like, you know, pain's just weakness leaving the body, you know. Um, Whether you're working out or in the hospital, this will make you stronger. And if that's the secular one from Nietzsche that I kind of despise the most, uh, uh, whatever uh, doesn't kill you only makes you stronger, I think uh, there are similar ones, a couple similar ones. And and one is uh, God helps those who help themselves, um, which sounds nice, you know. Uh, if you've got to meet God halfway. Uh, you've got to kind of leave the door cracked open for God to come in. Um, he's knocking, you got to answer, you know what I mean? Um, 
you got to put a little bit of effort in yourself. You know, you can't um, sort of rely on God to do all the work. Um, but this is nowhere in the Bible. I've even had people say it says somewhere in the Bible, God helps those who help themselves. And here's a joke, Second Opinions 316. Um, it's attributed to several people most commonly. Um, Benjamin Franklin, I guess he probably said it, but I don't think he originated the idea of God helps those who help themselves. Uh, he just popularized it in American uh, sort of parlance and culture. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it appears in other places earlier on, including the Quran. Um, here's a, a quote from the Quran. Indeed, Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves. Um, so not in the Bible, but it's in Islam. It's in, it's in the Quran. Uh, another place that appears early on is in Aesop's fables, um, uh, uh, where it said, the gods help those who help themselves, uh, in a story that, that Aesop uh, wrote. Um, or, you know, you might, you might say that or hear that, God helps those who help themselves, but there are other ways that people put it. Another one that I found when I was kind of searching for, the, by the way, all these things I'm putting up here are called memes, M-E-M-E-S, uh, which you see like on Facebook or whatever, people put them out there. And if they're putting them out there in social media, that means that these are popular things that people say, or they're gonna become popular because they go viral, because people see it and they go, ooh, that sounds good. You know, share, <laughs> like. Um, comment. Uh, and so th that's really how these sort of pithy kind of sayings are really getting out there in 2015. I'm sorry it's so hard to hear, see over there, but this one is, do not ask God to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to move your feet, you know? Um, this is what we call, if you want the theological term, semi-Pelagianism, uh, basically. But you might hear something like this from the pulpit. I've heard it both on the very most uh, conservative ends in the very most liberal ends of the Episcopal Church, something like, from the pulpit, or exactly, do not ask God to guide your footsteps until you're willing to meet your feet. Amen. <laughs> Gosh, you ready for communion now? You know, I mean, it's just it's so, so discordant uh, from the, the good news of God and Jesus Christ, which says, I cannot move my feet. I feel like an amputee, and yet God is going to do the work for you. There was a question here. Someone help me out. Yeah, no, someone help me out. Right, yeah. Well, that's a difference. He's given you the gift, you know, use it. Um, uh, uh, in terms of um, activity, it's the, the, the conviction of the gospel message coming first is certainly helpful before worrying about what we do. But often what we're given uh, is sort of this message of like, you've got to do half the work, like all the time. Um, like we're equal partners with God. Yeah, either in day-to-day -day conversation or from the pulpit. Um, and uh, this is, I think, a really uh, unhelpful and almost oppressive uh, message, especially if I'm coming to church and I've just dealt with something really terrible. <laughs> 
you know, and I feel like I cannot move my feet. And what I need to hear is a message of salvation even for me, the weak, the one without strength, the one who feels like my, my, fe- my feet can't move uh, without him. And I mean, of course, therefore, there are things that we, we ought to do after uh, being convicted of the gospel message. Yeah. Yeah, that's the com exactly. That's the common one in Revelation. You'll see there are even memes of that that exist, and that's in the Bible. Um, uh, uh, I think that that passage though is is misused and abused often. That you've got to you've got to sort of open the door for him to come in. Uh, meanwhile, look at the upper room where he just kind of came in. You know, he didn't knock. Hey guys, he 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 walks right through the door. And came in even when uh, even when uh, they weren't expecting him. And that might be true in your own life. It's certainly been true in my own life where I uh, kind of didn't want God to intervene uh, in this situation because I knew that um, He's gonna He's gonna give me something that's uh, that's uh, that's gonna humble me. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, you might hear some people say, uh, "God won't give you more than you can handle." Um, well, um, he might actually give you more than you can handle. <laughs> or um, you cannot handle it, so he's going to handle it for you, uh, is where the gospel lies. But again, here uh, is this nuanced place that I think is semi-Pelagianism. Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, he's testing you or only making you stronger. You know, He's bringing you down so that he could lift you up. I think, though, that he might be bringing you down to get rid of the idols in your life. Um, and that's going to be super painful, and you can't handle it. And you might hit a place where you say, uh, I give up, uncle. <laughs> I need you to get me out of this because I cannot handle it. This is a lot like the Nietzsche, whatever uh, doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Uh, there's an interesting scene in Downton Abbey. Uh, did you ever watch that show uh, on PBS, BBC? Um, where uh, Edith, who's the, uh, what is she, the eldest daughter? Or is she the middle one? Is uh, really uh, having a a tough time with love, with men, um, uh, being in relationship. And she finally uh, is going to get married to an older gentleman who I think is a a widow, uh, and she's just smitten with him. And he thinks that he would do her a disservice if he marries her because he's a little bit disabled and older. And so he leaves her at the altar. Uh, and their uh, uh, nobility, you know? I mean, so she, I think like the Archbishop of Canterbury, is there to do the wedding. And she's left at the altar. And the mother there, come, this is her afterwards crying in bed, and her mother comes, and, and Cora says to her, <laughs> You're being tested. And you know what they say, my darling, being tested only makes you stronger. And Edith on the bed says, I don't think it's working with me. (laughs) Uh, So there you have it. Um, Yeah. When you say that, I reminded that parable about the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee. And the tax collector won't even lift his eyes up. He's asking for God's help. Yeah. Right, at least I'm not like him. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not weak. Yeah, basically. Um, 
thank you for that. Uh, there's a, um, there's a, a, a really similar uh, scenario uh, with uh, this comedian named Tig Notaro. Do you all know who she is? She's become famous in the last couple years uh, because of, a, of, of one stand-up, uh, uh, what do you call it, sketch, not sketch, um, bit or whatever that she did. Um, she, uh, in a matter of like six months, um, first contracted C. diff, which is like a, um, a, a, a digestive tract problem that basically ruins you. You can't even eat food, so you kind of starve and just totally miserable with that. I mean, terrible, terrible thing to have. And then a few months later, her mother died. And then after her mother died shortly thereafter, um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, and between that, she went through a breakup. <laughs> um, so all this like happening, and she's just got the diagnosis of cancer, and uh, she was supposed, like on a, say like a Wednesday, and she was supposed to, on Friday, uh, uh, go to Largo in LA and do stand-up comedy. So she had like two days between the diagnosis and, and going there. She's, you know, I can't do the, 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 the act that I've been planning because she's just got this terrible news. And so she just went out there cold with no idea of what she would talk about and just talked about her cancer and all these other things that had happened. And it's hilarious. Go look it up online. Um, she comes out saying, hello, how are you? I have cancer. Hello, how are you? I have cancer. And people are kind of like awkwardly joking. Like, is she joking? And then they realize, like, no, she's telling the truth. Uh, and talks about the C. diff and her mother dying and all the things related to it. And then just getting cancer like two days ago. And about two-thirds of the way through, she says this. But you know what's nice about all of this is that you can rest assured that God never gives you more than you can handle. Never, never. When you've had it, God goes, all right, that's it. I just keep picturing God going, you know what? I think she can handle a little bit more. And then everybody laughs. Uh, and then the angels are standing back going, God, what are you doing? Are you out of your mind? And God was like, no, no, no. I really think she can handle this. But why, God? Like, why, why? I don't know. I just, you know, trust me on this. <laughs> and uh, that got uproarious laughter um, because, um, yeah, I mean, to, to, to think about that, like God just tinkering, and especially in that situation of what he's doing is, is, uh, t is either testing or trying to make her stronger. Well, maybe if God's at work, what he's trying to do is disabuse her of uh, notions in life uh, that... Um, that she's staking her claims in uh, to get rid of false idols and things like that. I do think that God brings about pain for those reasons. Uh, and a prime example of it in the Bible is with the book of Job. Um, and that's exactly uh, what happens. Yeah, question there. Say it's really sad to see something like that and realize that these sayings can seem innocent. But really, when somebody hears that and they think that's the gospel message, it's no wonder people reject God. All the time, don't get, they have no idea that that's in the Quran and not in the Bible. Right, um, yeah. Just, yeah, and that, I mean, that's a lot of why um, I'm trying to, to bring this stuff uh, in here is just to help you start thinking about these things. I can't bring in all examples, but just to, to get your radar up for things that people say that 
are, uh, well, that's, a, that's unhelpful. That, that seems actually contradictory uh, to the good news of the gospel. Another place we often see this is just uh, through using decontextualized verses of the Bible that, that relate to things like strength. And one that's common is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's true, but um, the, the emphasis, de- taking it out of its context on me being the actor. And, and coupled with this is probably through some VBS thing or whatever, and that being the theme, um, you need to see that verse within its context to understand what it's about, that this is about God's activity in your life and not about me being the strong one. Another place in Christian culture that uh, this is common is simply with Joel Osteen. Um, and, uh, and, and there are other people like him, uh, but he is the, the most popular uh, person who I think for the most part, like almost everything I, I read or the book covers that I see or things that I see come out of his mouth <laughs> seem super problematic. Uh, here's an example. When you focus on being a blessing, God makes sure you are always blessed in abundance, uh, which is kind of like this prosperity sort of gospel. You know, like if it is kind of like God will meet you halfway. If you if you do your part, God will uh, will will bless you as a result. Um, uh, again, uh, this in terms of somebody who's uh, going through having a tough go of it is a, is a really difficult uh, uh, thing to hear. Um, another uh, you know, most popular example, which you don't really hear a lot these days, is WWJD. Uh, what would Jesus do? And you, I guess people used to wear the, the bracelets a lot. And it's often used in a sort of situation where you're having to make a decision. Well, what would Jesus do? Um, and uh, sort of making that actually the sort of nutshell statement about that's the gospel, um, that, that all you need to do is when you're in sort of a, a sticky situation, you need to make a moral choice, is think about what would Jesus do? The gospel is actually about uh, what did Jesus do and not what would Jesus do. Well, what would Jesus do? He would die on a cross, um, and I cannot do that. <laughs> I will not volunteer for that situation. Uh, what did what would Jesus do? He might cre- he might perform a miracle to solve this problem, and I cannot do that. Um, but thank God that Jesus did uh, do this and submitted himself to weakness to actually bring about salvation for the world. Another thing I just want to address quickly are um, are sort of platitudes and uh, sentimentalism that I see often in Christian culture. Things like heaven just needed another angel. Um, you know, if someone dies, people will say, well, God just needed another uh, angel in heaven. Have you heard this before or something like that? Well, I want to say to you that that's actually an ontological problem, theologically, that people are not angels and they do not become angels, that these are separate beings. <laughs> um, and if you want to talk about strength, this is a great statue of, uh, of Michael defeating the devil at Coventry Cathedral. Um, I am not an angel, I, 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 uh, and I can't uh, do that. And often when angels come into the scene in the Bible, what do they say? Fear not. Fear not. They're not, it's not like, the, it's not, you know, it's, not, it's, it's usually, <laughs> <laughs> that's sentimentalism. But in all actuality, <laughs> angels might look scary to us because they do things like, you know, battle with Satan. <laughs> uh, 
and, and intervene on God's behalf in the world. Um, another one uh, uh, that uh, I hear a lot is, uh, the Lord laid it on my heart. And that might be true, that, that God is calling you to something, but I feel like these are the kinds of things that we say so much to sort of um, just sort of describe something that's going on that's actually an emotion um, that might be more like um, uh, more like Cartman here. Whatever, I'll do what I want. You know, it's just sort of a well. God laid it on my heart. Uh, well, maybe you know, let's discern that. You know, I mean, let, let's think about that for a little while. Maybe we got to talk to a group of people to to uh, figure out if that's really what needs to happen uh, either in your life or to create a new ministry in the in the church rather than. Uh, saying that the Lord laid it on my heart. Uh, n- now I'm going into territory that's not necessarily to do with suffering, but just sort of things that we say. Uh, well, and so back to uh, to suffering though is uh, hashtag uh, too blessed to be stressed. Um, someone said this to me on the way. None of you. Uh, someone said this to me uh, today, uh, sort of like every day is a you know. Uh, a blessing or something like that. But I think that's actually the, uh, whereas last time we did secular sayings and this time we're doing Christian, I think that's infusing Christianity often into the sort of I'm fine or even more so with this one, the more common one that we hear nowadays is I'm busy, right? How are you? I'm busy. But you might say, I'm too blessed to be stressed because you're actually really stressed out. Uh, and so, you, you know, you put the sheen of, of God's blessing on, on top of it. Maybe you are too blessed to be stressed, but I think that we hear it so often that it becomes problematic. It becomes cliche and it becomes unhelpful for the person who is stressed out. Um, well, I guess I'm not blessed because I am stressed. You know, think about that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, there are places in the Bible that give us permission to ask questions like, how long, O Lord, uh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You know, the, the psalmist, when writing Psalm 13, didn't feel uh, too blessed to be stressed. But the Psalms give us permission to be stressed and anxious and to be aware of our suffering and to bring that to God and to, uh, to, to pray about it and not ignore it. And maybe even talk about it with other people. So that's all the stuff that uh, I've found problematic in just a nutshell of it, because there's so much more that I could talk about. Let me give you some, some sort of antidotes, the flip sides. Maybe new sayings or cliches that we could bring into the world. Uh, and Bono uh, from U2 is actually really great. And he has a lot of um, Christian sort of tweetable things that he says. Uh, and he, uh, whereas I talked about strength and weakness, he sets up the dichotomy as uh, karma versus grace. That all, most of the world is about karma and Christianity is about grace or strength versus grace. And, and he said this, at the center of all religions uh, is the idea of karma. You know, that what you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. And yet along comes this idea called grace, to upend all that as you reap so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts. The consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good, news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. You know, if karma were true, someone like Bono and me and you would be in a heck of a lot of trouble uh, because we've, all, we've actually done a lot of bad stuff. We've had a lot of bad thoughts. 
Uh, so it's no good news uh, at all. And the other thing, too, about this, what he's saying, is it defies reason and logic. Remember what Paul said earlier, that uh, the, the reason of the world tells you this, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, but I tell you this. Um, and uh, here's a, a, a similar kind of thing that a, a theologian I brought in last time, I forgot what it was, where I quoted him, Rod Rosenblatt, uh, is just one of these great guys out there because he's just this sort of curmudgeon who doesn't care. And so he just says anything he wants. And uh, often what comes out of his, his mouth is genius. Uh, Christianity is not about moving away from vice to virtue. It's moving away from virtue to Christ. And that's a problem with this sort of staking our claim on these uh, reasons and virtues of the world is they're about us and our ability uh, to accomplish things through strength whereas moving to Christ is recognizing our weakness. Or um, what did Martin Luther say? <laughs> Golly, this one has been abused. But you've got to think about why Martin Luther said this. He said, reason is a whore, <laughs> the greatest enemy that faith has. Now, don't take this to think that Martin Luther was an anti-intellectual, because there are a lot of people will, who will take a look at this quote and think, well, God, he's just saying that you should just sort of trust everything, you know, that, that the Bible says and not question it, you know, like fundamentalism or something like that or biblicism. That's not what he's saying is that the, the sort of human dependence on reason and logic is often what uh, leads us into problems because there are commonsensical notions about things like strength. Just as Paul said earlier when I read that passage from what was it from Colossians, um, uh, that those were the things that were getting us into trouble. Now, there are times when we certainly should use reason and think about the Bible, but often the, the sort of um, the human intellect and reason that we think is sort of neutral or uh, not uh, problematic actually is because we're fallen sinful people. Um, so uh, it's too easy to be like, well, it just depend on reason because that'll get us the right answers at the end of the day. Well, it might give us the wrong ones. Um, or John Calvin, who said, uh, true wisdom consists in two things, knowledge of God and knowledge of self. Knowledge of self meaning an understanding of what's inside of me. Remember that quote last time from the guy who survived the Holocaust who said, if you could lick my heart, it would poison you? <laughs> That's true knowledge of self. I mean, this is a guy who, who survived the Holocaust and still saw himself as uh, deeply uh, broken inside. Um, or what did Thomas Cranmer say? He said, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. You know, if you really want something, you can, talk, you can use your reason to rationalize uh, why it is the thing that, 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 that you should be doing, whether it has to do with addiction or some uh, choice that you're going to make that's really small. Uh, and finally, uh, Charles Simeon, also a, a great uh, Anglican divine, said, The tender heart, the broken and contrite spirit, are to me far above all the joys that I could ever hope for uh, in this veil of tears. Not the strong heart, but the tender and broken and contrite one, the one uh, full of repentance and knowing our need for God's intervention because Christianity actually is a message of weakness. And this meme has like, who's that, Thor? And it says, Christianity, my God has a hammer. Your God was nailed to a cross. Any questions? 
it's actually right. This is somebody who's probably trying to make fun of Christianity, but he's actually telling the truth and creating it. Uh, My God is strong. Yours was weak. He was nailed uh, to a cross. Well, that's right. Um, And thank God for it. And so I'll just put this up here. (laughs) We've got uh, about five questions uh, for interaction. I know I've thrown a lot at you. We've only had two weeks to to try to address a a lot. Um, But uh, thoughts, questions? Yeah. The beginning of the confession. It's not, hey, I did my part. You know, come meet me halfway. It's, hey, I'm broken. We have erred and strays you know, like lost sheep. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not, hey, I'm good. I had a pretty good week, so I get to go take Eucharist. It's, right. I'm not yeah. worthy. Yeah. You know. I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs yeah. under thy table. If you want a cliche to start throwing around, you will lose <laughs> all your friends. <laughs> Go to a party and be like, well, you know what I think? I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under these tables. But these things, people will talk to you all night. Because I've been thinking about this with respect to politicians. Basically, we vote for the people who sort of um, who affirm or even amp up the affirmation of the things that we already agree with, right? Uh, you're not going to vote for a guy like Jesus who comes along and gives you all these paradoxical sayings. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we'll be unpopular if we go around and talk about, like, well, I err and stray from God's ways like lost, a lost sheep all the time. I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under this table. Um, but uh, wouldn't that be nice um, if we were throwing these, those sayings around or the kinds of things that, like, Thomas Cranmer said about the, the human heart? Memorize that one and start telling it uh, to your friends instead. Uh, yeah. I'm just struck by, you know, when you're thinking about people in suffering, that um, scene where the man was a paralytic and Jesus was preaching and they couldn't, his friends brought him and said, we got to get you to Jesus. They weren't thinking, here are your platitudes. They just said, let's do everything we can to get you there. And, you know, opened up the roof, (laughs) lowered him in. And that's really more of the scene of what we should do to our friends, you know, not tearing open the roof and bringing them to Jesus. Sure. Yeah. You, know, you look like you have a thought. Yeah. I think these platitudes are to let ourselves off the hook. If we're in the presence of great suffering, it causes us suffering. Yeah. And we're looking for that silver bullet phrase that will make them better. That really make, tries to make us feel better. Yeah, I mean, the truth is often we just kind of don't know what to say. I, I brought that in last time. There are these great... Um, uh, greeting cards out there called empathy cards that somebody created instead of sympathy cards. And they're all just, uh, they're brilliant. Like one of them says, I'm sorry I haven't called. I just didn't know what to say. I mean, wouldn't that be, what would that be like to receive that card? I would actually be like, golly, <laughs> that's great. I mean, I mean, this person's actually being honest. Or to be in a room with someone who's suffering and to say, I, um, I just don't know what to say, but I want to be here with you. That's the person I want in my hospital room when I've got six weeks to live. I don't want the person who is silver lining it, either with a secular saying or a Christian saying. To piggyback on that, I feel like so much of it too is just timid spirits not to be able to feel somebody, especially an unbeliever. Uh, you know, yeah, actually, I've had this happen. Share your brokenness and how God's grace changed my life. 
Right. Um, yeah. But, but you know, like a lot of it though, like comes back to the difficulty of what it is to live the Christian life too. Like I think about the meet me halfway thing. It's so easy on a daily basis to get up in the morning, commune with God, and to like be getting into your car with that spirit. Right. But then the world like absolutely punches you in the face. Yeah, then you have to drive on two eighty. Trying to figure out, okay, how does that mindset and how does that spirit work? And so a lot of times, like these sayings and everything, you're like, all right, well, I gotta go. You just gotta muster it up and meet God halfway. Yeah. I just like He's working, but I'm. What am I doing out here if I'm not meeting Him halfway or whatever other saying you might think about? Yeah, and um. Coming back to Rod Rosenblatt again, uh, the, the Lutheran theologian that I brought up last time and brought in a quote uh, today. If you want to think about human activity and equation, he has this, uh, and I don't even think he, he attributes it to someone else, but I hear him say it so many times. He says, uh, when thinking about uh, God's work in my life, think about somebody who's out in the middle of the ocean on a boat, like a cruise ship, and they've fallen overboard. And they're out in the sea drowning, and someone throws to them one of those rings, those uh, flotation rings on the rope. Now, in order to come back ashore, you've got to do what? You've got to hold on to that thing. You've got you to take your hands and hold on to it for dear life, and then the people up on the boat are going to pull you up. And then when you get up there, what you're going to do is hug the guy who threw the thing out to you and give him a kiss. You're not going to go, look at this hand. This hand did a great job grabbing that ring. Um, and I think that, that is, um, that's, exactly, uh, that's exactly right. There's a tad bit of effort that we do you know, when we wake up and say our prayers and things like that. But the the better thing to do is not focus on that. The better thing to do is to focus on uh, the life raft that we've been given uh, in God. I saw a hand over here. Yeah. It might not be mine, but I, I've learned the hard way that when someone's suffering, typically, whether you say the right or wrong thing, they're not going to listen to you at that moment. They just need for you to be there. Be there. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my thought is, what do I say? Yeah. But really... It's not a time to teach a lesson, it's, really. It's really not. Yeah. They're, they're just... just get, get down there with them. Yeah, and they might learn the lesson on their own through retrospect and prayer. Final thought. Yeah. yeah. What about the expression, you're in my thoughts and prayers? When yeah. When I say that, I said, don't say that if you don't, because you're not going to pray for somebody. But it doesn't mean, why does it seem so hollow to me? It does. Doesn't it feel hollow? And uh, uh, I think it's, again, what you're saying, although you're saying you're in my thoughts and prayers, what you're actually saying is, I have no clue what to say, but I'm going to leave now. <laughs> um, but you'll probably think about them, and hopefully you'll pray for them. And if that's true, then don't feel so bad about it. But the better thing might be, can I have your hand? I'm going to get on the floor and pray with you right now, rather than uh, you're in my thoughts and prayers. You know, it does me no good to hear that, frankly, when I'm in the midst of pain and in the hospital, uh, what what I really want is somebody who's not annoying that I have to host in my hospital room, but somebody who will be with me and might pray with me. That's a great thought to end on. 
Um, if you like all that I've said, here are two sources that you might consider in popular culture that say a lot of the same things. One is called Coffee with Jesus. Uh, there are these comic strips that are often, not always, but often just spot on and tearing down these sort of lies that we tell ourselves in Christianity. And another one is this guy named John Acuff, who he himself is an evangelical Christian who goes to megachurch, so he has all permission in the world to make fun of evangelical Christians because he's one of them. Uh, and uh, so this through humor, both of these uh, kind of continue to address the themes that I did with suffering, but there are so many more. Like here on the cover is the uh, number 106, the side hug. And it says three or four blessing pats. Uh, <laughs> sort of, you know, things that are out there. Anyway, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.